Okay, so we were just talking before we started recording about the first time we ever got drunk. Um, literally, like my first day at college after my parent, the night after my parents dropped me off, I went to a party and I had this alcohol called Jungle Juice, which is just tastes. What's that? It's, I mean, it's Hawaiian Punch with like fourteen different types of alcohol in it, but it just tastes like Hawaiian Punch. So I was sipping on it, you know, I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm at a college party. I'm cool now. And I'm sitting, I'm like, I don't really feel anything. And then all of a sudden, either the earth started to revolve around me or I was really drunk really fast and it was not pleasant. I didn't throw up or anything, but when you have never been drunk before and you go from like zero to a hundred and all of a sudden you're shit faced, it's kind of terrifying. And I remember sitting on my bed that night in my dorm with Diet Coke I think I took my shirt off for some reason, just just because. And I thought it was cool that I was drunk, but it also freaked me the fuck out. And I don't think I've had jungle juice since. That's, um, that's, yeah. Uh, I don't, I think the first time I got, like, super, super drunk, um, I was at a party. It was maybe my freshman year of college. Uh, and this kid in my neighborhood had a party, like a pre-New Year's party. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get a bottle of Bacardi or no, 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 Smirnoff raspberry. I'm going to get a bottle of Smirnoff raspberry. It's going to be great. I'm going to have such a good time. I'm going to make out with the boy I like. I got the bottle of Smirnoff, and, but I only had a fiber one bar for dinner. Nice. Um, which is like rookie mistake that I still make today. Um, and I started throwing up like maybe an hour into the party. And there's this like iconic photo Iconic in like my group of friends. I was like, like, it's, it's in like some national no, no, museum. It, no, it's uh, yeah, it's up at the MoMA right now. It's very artsy. It's in the planetarium. <laughs> yeah, uh, and um, it's of me and my best friend just like sitting on a bathroom floor. Someone put a North Face jacket on me because I was very cold. My hair is up, and we're just sitting next to a toilet in my friend's house. Uh, not one of my best moments. Definitely, uh, top 10 most memorable, though. I'm guessing you didn't make out with the boy you liked that I did not. I did not. Wait, what's your name? Hey, my name is Fred. Wait, you have a what kind of farm? You've got, like, really cool charms on. How's it going? Wait a minute. You went to school in what country? Mm, no, you're not a dentist if you love teeth. I think I talked about my virginity with him. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I didn't lose it, though. Not that night? No. That'd be a good name for an album. Drunk Virginity Losing Sex. A sad one. Sounds like the name of a Beyonce album. No, it does not. What's the song where she talks about the surfboards? Drunk in Love. Yeah. I think there's only one. She probably has more. No, it's it's surfboard, I think, is the action of riding somebody. Is that what that means? I thought you were talking about an actual surfboard. Wow. You I thought have she much just to learn, liked, grasshopper. I thought she just likes like aquatic sports. She seems like somebody who'd be into like water polo. Probably. Well, I would say like waterboarding. Wait, no. Waterboarding is uh as a torture tactic, is it not? I'd rather be waterboarded than listen to Beyonce, am I right? No. Did you see um recently Puff Daddy falling into a hole while performing at the BET Awards? No. Oh my god. How did you how did, did I see this and you didn't see that? I watched all the performances, but I have not seen that. He was performing something and there was a hole in the stage and he just walked right into it and disappeared. Oh my god. It was amazing. <laughs> you know who keeps getting the shaft at the BET Awards? Is Helen Mirren. 
She's Why? a fantastic actress, and she never gets nominated for BET Awards. Anyway, if you guys want to share your drunk stories with us, uh, tweet us at We Play Too Much. Uh, or your Helen Mirren stories. Or your Helen Mirren stories, or your Puff Daddy stories. Like anything you want. Or, yeah, like if you're having a bad day, we'd love to hear about that, too. Not because we love bad days. But or a good day. Or a good day. Any day. Um, but here's our interview with Make Under. Their album artwork is beautiful, like so fantastic. Um, and... Uh, puzzling too but in a good way uh, so here's our interview with them uh, enjoy so you were just on you were just on NPR right yeah that's right yeah um, our whole EP premiered on NPR music specifically on all songs considered and it was a, a well, pretty cool format actually um, so uh, the the premise of it was that I, w- I would have a chance to write about each of the song um, and, which is great because this is an EP that has an actual a pretty pretty deep backstory, uh, and it was only the second time that they had done anything like this on All Songs Considered, and the previous time was with Sharon Van Etten. So, um, I mean, how how was the experience for you? Did you was it cool? Did you have a blast? Or yeah, it was. Uh, I was actually, <laughs> I very foolishly uh, had booked a vacation before, um, knowing <laughs> what day it was going to land. So I was halfway into a vacation in Utah visiting my girlfriend. Um, so we had to cut a, uh, hiking trip kind of short <laughs> so I could be near the computer and see what happened, bask in it. Because, you know, it takes a long ass time to record, uh, an album, to write an album and to record it, especially one that you have a big vision for and it's just wrought with peril. Um, so yeah, it was just a really great, warm experience to finally feel like the story was told and it was out there in the world. You know, if you, if you want to, if you want to tell that story again, I mean, you know, maybe it'd be... If you're cool with it. Yeah, sure. Uh, so in the span of a year, uh, my oldest brother got in a near-fatal motorcycle accident. Uh, two of my grandparents died, and my father, we discovered that he had lung cancer, and he passed away, which left my mom in kind of a difficult situation with her house, so we had to sell all of his stuff and sell the house. So that was all in the span of about a year, um, and it was, as you can imagine, pretty emotionally traumatizing for me. Um, it took me a long time to recover from that. And when I finally did, I found, I think, the perspective I needed to to recount some stories from that period. And that's that's what this EP, Great Headless Blank, is all about. Because it's such a conceptual record and it's such a, um, such a personal record that the way that the songs flow in between one another, it, it's brilliant and it seems like it, it's, uh, it was purpose, purposely done. Did you, did you write the songs in the order that they're that they're sequenced on the EP, I wrote them. Oh, not really, actually. So, um, I have a bad habit of sometimes starting songs without fully knowing what they're about, and then over time, I I, I hack at them until the truth of the song comes out. So I'd actually gotcha, dumb, yeah. the, and I think that's. I'm sure a lot of people actually uh, feel that way with their song. So I, maybe some, maybe not. Maybe some people actually just have the idea. They have the idea for the lyrics. They have the hook already in in their heads. And it just happens. That's not how I operate. I I think, and I think this is a pretty honest way that a lot of people make art, which is they bumble through it. Um, but I had finished the first song. Uh, this is the one song that I did, the title track, which is Great Headless Blank. I'd finished it uh, in a studio um, using off days at the studio. And it was sort of, this, the place was winding down. I don't think the people that owned it really wanted to run it anymore. 
Um, so right. I got to capitalize on that by using free, oh, basically open studio days to record whatever the hell I wanted. So I would just go in there with uh, a friend of mine who was a sound engineer there, uh, a tracking engineer, and just kind of go nuts, just freestyle everything. Um, I had already written most of the song at that point, the song Great Headless Blank, uh, but it, I hadn't really arranged it, so it was just jumping between singing into a microphone and clapping and playing a washboard, playing clarinet, playing piano, jumping on guitar, jumping on synthesizers, um, and it was a lot of fun, but uh, I knew that, that, was, and that w- I wouldn't be able to do that for any more songs on this EP, so I actually recorded most of it. With the, ex- with the exception of the percussion, I recorded most of it in my project studio at home. Uh, so I started the first song and finished that, and then I did the very last song on the EP, uh, What a Lovely Band Saw. And I wasn't sure where it was going to fall in the order of the EP, to be honest. And I kind of I kind of bumbled into this sequence entirely, to be honest. <laughs> Just to be open about it. So it, the fact that you think it flows really well is maybe some almost a fluke, <laughs> a lucky a, a lucky coincidence. Yeah. Well, it's 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 interesting, right? Because like um, uh, what a, what a lovely bandsaw. It's like, it's the perfect finale. It's the perfect send off. I mean, it's like you you listen to the record and and the and the progression of everything. It's the perfect way to end to end recording. It feels like I mean that song in particular is what made me think. Oh, it, he had he had to have written it you know, that way. And, 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 and it had to have happened like that, but, but it's incredible that it, that it didn't necessarily happen like that. Yeah. That was, I think that was probably the easiest song on the EP to write. Wow. Cool. Cool. So, you know, it's interesting that you're talking about, you know, the great headless blank, the, the, uh, the title track. Um, and it's funny that you say that you you'd pretty much written, it was already written and, and done in that studio. The thing that's most distinguishable to me about that track. And, and of course there's so many layers is that beginning opening harmony, the ha, 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 yeah, ha, or you know, like, uh, when when in the mix did that come in? When did you record <laughs> that? And 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 did you know that that was going to be like the intro? I mean, like, yeah, that was literally the first thing that I wrote on that song. Wow, it was the the that and the um very weird texture in the chorus that type thing. <laughs> yeah. I had I uh so the story behind that um I think is kind of interesting um I uh I was in a long distance relationship with this woman who was a British woman who lived in London. And I had just gotten back from visiting her, uh, back to San Francisco. And at the time I'd given, before I'd left, I gave my key to my roommate because he wanted to to give it to a friend who was going to stay, stay in my bed basically while I was gone. Gotcha. Uh, that roommate actually had left town before I had gotten back. So I was locked out of my place for a night (laughs) and I was jet lagged. I was exhausted. Uh, the long distance relationship I was in was just, it was a bit of a disaster because I was You're so... fucking pissed. You're <laughs> yeah. pissed. And, I, and also <laughs> underneath all of this, I, I just felt a constant grief because my father at this point had just died, I don't know, maybe seven or eight months before and it wasn't even gotcha. a full year yet. So for me, that was the, the context in which I wrote that first song. So uh, luckily my friend felt really bad. He got me a hotel room in downtown San Francisco uh, and I stayed the night, but I was completely jet lagged. So 3 a.m., all of these feelings, the, the tension that I felt from returning from London, uh, the, the huge weight of grief that I felt from my father's death, I just I couldn't. And also, I was jet lagged, so I just couldn't sleep at all. So I fired up my laptop and plugged in <laughs> a pair of headphones and just recorded into my laptop mic. So all I had at that point was my voice and 
snapping my fingers. So I recorded this entire song pretty much straight through and freestyled a lot of the lyrics. So that ah sound at the very beginning kind of sounds like a stork or some kind of bird almost. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was that was the original that came from the original sketch of the song, which is a, a laptop production entirely, just a laptop mic. That's that's brilliant. Now, and and you're pretty familiar with the whole like like you're not a stranger or afraid to back down from the laptop thing because you did an entire record essentially that that yeah. way. You were talking actually, you know, when you were telling the story, you were saying that, you know, about seven seven or eight months had passed, and and this this had happened to you, and stayed at, you stayed at the hotel in downtown San Francisco. Were you pissed? I mean, like, how are you dealing with the grieving process in that time? Because it seems like you were writing, and and this, you know, I don't know how long it's been between the time that your father passed and all those things that happened until the record was released last week, but. You know, do you think at first you were initially dealing with that grief more angrily, or or were you pretty passive, or what was going on at the time? Oh know, man, um, yeah. I think you flash through. Well, you flash through a lot of emotions when you when you're going through something like that. You know, I had a uh, as a lot of young people do. I had a lot of unresolved anger toward my parents, and yeah. them and my father getting sick and passing away uh, revealed, I think, a lot of that anger that I had maybe tucked away when I went to college. So uh, more than anything, it was just a period of my life where I was extremely angry all the time, and I don't think I was very pleasant to be around. Um, all the while, I was trying to make music that I felt was real and honest, and everything that I wrote just didn't, it didn't feel very true. I tried to write things about other topics that just... I didn't feel like I could write other songs until I wrote some of these uh, songs about that period. So this is sort of out of necessity that I made this record. Now that I've made it, I can move on to other topics. But at the same time, I think a big part of a big part of writing music is uh, telling your stories. And I have a lot of stories from my family. I had a very kind of larger than life family, so there's a lot of material to work with, to be honest. But um, yeah, I think one of the things that it revealed to me is that you you really can't escape the stories that you have, and it's in some ways a lot easier to write those songs than other the songs that aren't about your life you know I'm curious I think that's a really interesting point so like on a track like um, uh, Window Mounted Frigidaire that's a I, I take that as being a really um, transparently personal song you know and I think it's yeah. relatable um, you know what what was it like writing that song because that's I mean the lyrics are so poetic and observational but you sing them like a contemporary R&B singer over like some kind of trippy old school Disney dream sequence <laughs> I mean like that that's how I would describe it but like yeah. I mean how how did you write that one I mean what what came first for, for that track uh, well the first thing that I wrote on that song it's kind of similar to Great Headless Blank the first thing that informed the feel of everything was the the opening part so for that song i had used a a guitar pushed through a, a even tied pitch factor which ha uh, and it, you, you there's a way of basically offsetting where um it, it's basically it's it's a pitch pedal so you can have it harmonize with whatever's going in and you can delay the harmonies as well so i had it delayed by a very small amount which created this sort of undulating effect and then I pushed that through a spring reverb, and it created this sort of like majestic harp-like thing, but it was being played on a guitar. So I started with that, and I knew what the song was roughly about. Uh, I mean, I had been skirting around. I remember when I was writing the lyrics to it, I was uh, hanging out with a friend, and I had a lot of the lyrics, but I, I felt really stymied by the whole thing. 
And I just told him, like, I just really honestly want to write a song about this air conditioning unit that my brother bought me when I was uh, when I was in high school. So the story goes that we had a um, we had a pretty rickety house, and I grew up in South Texas, and the central air conditioner broke when I was 14 years old, and my parents couldn't fix it. So that's sort of like the difference between uh, surviving and being in complete misery in South Texas, where there's a lot of humidity and it's really, really hot. So, right. uh, my, we were miserable for a while, but my brother bought me a, a window mounted air conditioning unit. And it was just such a, like, I don't really, I was really moved by the fact that he did this because at that point, uh, you know, we had some family problems and things, things were kind of tense, uh, toward the end of high school. But it was a really just very sweet thing for him to do, and it helped me survive for the time that I was uh, still at home. So when I found myself back at my parents' um, at my parents' house cleaning it out, preparing for my father to return from chemotherapy, uh, that was off. That was pretty much my only company was this air conditioning unit. So the song became very much about this sort of tender feelings towards this thing. This, inani- this inanimate thing that was breathing in front of me. Does your brother know? Uh, ha- has he heard the song? Does he know what it's about? Yeah, he does. <laughs> Inevitable conclusion. The the um the the rhythm section on that. Who's playing? Who's playing bass and drums? That is, I mean, there's that middle part where it just gets like fucking down and dirty. Yeah. Who who's playing? Is that you playing bass and or drums? Or uh, it's who, not. It's my uh, my guitarist uh, Van actually played bass on a lot of this EP. Um just because he was available and he's a really great guitarist and my drummer at the time was a really great player named Andy Meyerson who that was actually fun story the drums on that song it was the last thing we recorded in the studio and we ba- wow. we very strategically recorded drum uh, percussion in the studio and everything else for the most part with the exception of the title track everything else was done in my my home uh, and that session we're recording the drums was the last session that studio had before it closed its doors so we we wow. basically got in just in the nick of time to finish it. I don't know what, how this song would have turned out if uh, we hadn't had that session. I mean, it's incredible. It sounds so good, man. It, you you guys crushed it. You you guys went out with a bang at that studio, which is which is really cool. Yeah, thanks. Um, what what were you listening to for for? I mean, for that song in particular, I'm I'm curious what you were inspired by because that I mean that's like that's there's it's weird. It's like I know there's guitar in that track, but yeah. the bass and drum. It's just like it seems almost kind of like hidden or something. It's like it's just so really tastefully mixed but what w- do you remember what you were listening to when when uh when you wrote that one well i probably was listening to absolutely nothing when i wrote it but i i know what i was <laughs> what i it's funny i think when you write music sometimes you 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 have some mental you have some song in mind or a set of songs or an artist in mind that you're like is that what that person would do i'm trying to channel this or maybe yeah. maybe probably more realistically i'm trying to steal some idea from this <laughs> right, right, um right. And for a lot of this EP, actually, interestingly enough, I thought of, and this may not, this may be more apparent in some spots than other, others, uh, but for that particular song, Marvin Gaye was something that was stuck in my head constantly. Even though I think the nature of the song is very different than a Marvin Gaye song, there's something about the, spa- the spaciousness of his music that I think uh, I wanted to evoke in that song. And also, of course, Earth, Wind, and Fire, for much more obvious reasons, they're just so, so forward and colorful. And I wanted to create big, splashy, brash, sort of naive sounds because that's what the song is about. It's about this this sense of naive 
longing for someone who is far away. You know, it's interesting. It's like the more and more that I listen to the record, I see like, you know, we had talked about the projectors references and stuff. And I think the only similarity that's there more than anything else is is maybe just the mixing because I think what you're, you're summoning, you're summoning all these great, you know, like like uh, I think you were talking about Stravinsky. You're you're, you're influenced by. Uh, there's a lot of Marvin Gaye. There's old R and B. There's almost like like Etta James or like just like so many. Like your your vocals are so great, and I think the mixing is almost like this like raw punk like things you wouldn't expect to be up front in the mix are, and I think that's what makes it such an incredible, beautiful record. Um, did you did you mix this one? Um, I was mixing with the same guy that I was tracking with, um, and it was definitely a long slog. At that point, he had moved on from being a mixing engineer entirely. He was uh, working somewhere else, so we were mixing on the weekends, and he often would sort of just leave me at the console to sort of figure out what the hell I was doing. So there was definitely a a lot of soul-searching and mixing this thing and trying to get the sound, especially with so many tracks. Trying to get the sound right was pretty difficult, uh, and definitely... It was the hardest part of the entire process, maybe the most soul-crushing. Um, but it turned out fine. Uh, so one last question for you. Um, who is the great Headless Blank? <laughs> Actually, um, that is inspired by uh, an Emily Dickinson poem. Tell me tell me all about it. It's, uh, I'm trying to remember it. Pain, pain has an element of blank. It cannot recollect where it began or if there was a time when it was not. And I remember reading that before I had actually uh, titled the title track or named the whole EP that. But there was something beautiful about that idea. Pain has an element of blank. And at the, that time, I totally understood that it resonated perfectly with what I, uh, with how I felt. You don't feel like yourself. Um, and the pain strangely enough doesn't feel new it feels like it maybe has always been there or it was just sort of removed from time and space and uh, that was really powerful to me that's that that I felt like just those few lines really summed up (laughs) what I was trying to achieve with substantially more effort than she she had exerted (laughs) so uh, with that said uh, I want people who are listening to this to listen to the record Uh, we're gonna go ahead and play uh, the title track from the record right now uh, the great headless blank Hamilton dude thank you so much for 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 chilling and talking with me I appreciate it thanks this was fun Thank <laughs> you. 
So that was Chris's interview with Make Under. Um, pretty impressive story. Um, obviously, not the easiest thing to always hear, but it's interesting to hear somebody's backstory. But uh, thanks for listening this week. Uh, make sure to give us a rating and a review on iTunes. All of our back shows are on there now, so you can listen to all of them. Give us a rating and review. Say what's up. And uh, follow us at We Play Too Much on Twitter. Check us out on PlayTooMuch.com. All that good stuff. And uh, we will see you soon. Bye.